Hi, Online Church family. I'm so glad that you could meet with us here. We're about to go into a preach that I delivered recently, and I really hope this blesses you, it inspires you, it takes you further in your walk with God. That's my heart for you as you watch this. And if it really does bless you, why don't you go ahead and share it with someone who you think needs to hear it? Uh, make sure you click like and subscribe so you don't miss any of our messages here that we upload weekly. And um, jump in the chat so we can connect with you as well so you're not a stranger. So sit back and enjoy. I hope that you get blessed. Well, we are in September, which means it's pretty much Christmas. And we've already started writing lists of Christmas gifts. <laughs> and Merry Christmas. But over September, October, the theme is the ripple effect and that everything we do has an effect. And it's something as small as a pebble that can have a massive impact and far reaching impact. And it's seen as it ripples across. And so in September, we're going to focus on the ripple effect of relationships. And so tonight I want to share to you as though you were the army of the living God. Today I want to share with you as though you are my core team and we're in this together and we're joining arms and we understand who we are in our generation, in our region, so that when we turn outwards and we go out there at about, you know, 6.15 tonight and all week, that we know exactly what we're on mission to do. So you heard last week um, the heart behind the building from me um, goes way back, way, way, way back to when we first came in 2013, you know, and, and the Lord directed our energies north to the north side of Brisbane. We crossed the Great Divide, the Brisbane River, and we came to another land. And it was like that. The people are different, the culture's different, and the needs are very different. And so we started to pray and God started to birth in us a heart for this region, for this region. And, and our hearts started to break for the realities that we saw around us. You know, at census time and just hearing from local politicians and community leaders, this very place, this community that we're in right here, actually stands out from the nation for all the wrong reasons. We have the highest teen pregnancy rate. We have one of the highest teen crime rates. We actually here as a location have um, been the subject of many crime initiation gangs. And crime initiate no, gang initiation crimes. <laughs> and so I don't know if you remember, we used to have a beautiful white bus we no longer have a beautiful white bus because that was burnt out one night senselessly as an initiation crime. We often have break-ins here and, and they're just young people and they're caught on our cameras and it's pointless. The most recent one, they broke in, they came upstairs and they took a microwave that I bought from Kmart for $120. Pointless. Pointless and it's all caught on camera. We know exactly who they are. Like but it's the initiation crime because they don't belong at home. Because actually substance abuse is so high in this area. Parents are not present for their children. And the stuff they go home to, they don't wanna go home to. 
And so there's this whole, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on just out there. And yet you and I are called to be the shepherds, the watchmen, and the gatekeepers of this region. You and me, not just me, not just Amanda and Cam, not just Dan and Anne, you as well. Because God's planted you in this church family and he has a reason for the church and the church is the hope of the world. So I'm talking to you as people who actually believe that there's a plan and purpose on their individual lives and that is to bring heaven to earth and each one of us play a part in that. And so did you know that the word Brisbane is actually derived from two words? The word Brisbane is derived from Scottish Gaelic word bris, which means to break, and an old English word ban, which means bone, break bone. And I only just found this out this week because the word that God gave us in 2014 was to break the back of poverty. Not just spiritual, not just financial poverty, but spiritual and emotional poverty. And that that is the call of what we're supposed to be doing here is cultural reformation and breaking the back of poverty in Brisbane, breakbone. How amazing is that? And so this is who we are. And this is the theme of who we are is to break the back of poverty. It's this place. It's you and I. That's what we're called to do in our workplaces in our families, in our friendship groups, at university, at school. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian or not. It doesn't matter how rich or poor you might be. We're called to push back darkness. We're called to break the back of spiritual poverty, emotional poverty, and natural poverty. Did you know the leading cause of poverty is relational breakdown. The leading cause of poverty is relational breakdown. And I can see that all ticking over because you're like, actually, yeah. The people I know whose lives have fallen apart, there's been a relational breakdown. In the end days... Micah in uh, seven verse, uh, chapter 7 verse 6 says, Son will despise his father, daughter will defy her mother, daughter-in-law defies mother-in-law, and enemies are right in your own household. Matthew 10 in the New Testament, a brother will betray his brother to death, father will betray his own children, and children will re rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. Luke, Jesus said, Father will be divided against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. You can see it in the end days and that the leading cause of poverty is this. It is this. And so how do we break the back of poverty in our generation? By addressing relationships. Do you know, I know churches and in their financial season, which for us is May and June, when we talk about money and we talk about kingdom finance, do you know what they talk about? They talk about relationships. 
Because if you can get marriages right, you can get finances right. If you can get kids right, you can get finances right. If you can get relationships right, you can get finances right because the leading cause of poverty is relational breakdown. It's quite powerful. And so the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, the New King James Version says that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You think about what Jesus did. What did he do? He reconciled us back to God. And so now that's our ministry, is to bring reconciliation everywhere we go. Do you know what that means? That means at work, it's always win-win. At home, it's win-win. With family, with friends, everywhere we go, our goal is win-win as Christians. It's not me against you or her against him. It's win-win. Did you know, here's, here's an amazing thought is God is big enough to cover both parties. There doesn't have to be a winner and a loser. But relational breakdown often means both lose, or at least one does. But in God, it's the ministry of reconciliation. And so every single conflict we enter, we should approach it from a win-win perspective because we have the ministry of reconciliation. Let me read it to you from the message version. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way now. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united to the Messiah gets a fresh start and is created new. The old life is gone and the new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and Him and called us to settle our relationships with each other. So how do we break the back of poverty in our generation? What am I going after as the pastor of City Point Church Redcliffe in this region? I'm going after marriages, families and social relationships. If we can get those right, everything else falls into place. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So I'm talking today a leadership message. I'm talking to a group of leaders. And this is what we're going to do to change the world. We're going after relationships. The ministry of reconciliation marriages, families, and communities. And we're going after them in two ways. We're gonna do it well, our own marriages, our own families, our own work environments and school environments. And we're gonna teach into it and equip it, train it, disciple it. That's how we're gonna go after it. And so firstly, I wanna start on marriage. The Australian Bureau of Statistics 
just released its latest findings. In 2020, de facto relationships have continued to rise. As an alternative living arrangement, prior to or instead of marriage. So de facto relationships are continuing to rise instead of people getting married, they're choosing just to live together. There was a 30% decrease in marriages in one year. And divorces continued to rise. 62% of marriages now end in divorce. Did you know now women over the age of 55 are the fastest growing group of homeless ones in Australia? Why? Because 62% of marriages end in divorce. And now we have 55-year-old homeless women and that group is growing. So tell me, what is the leading cause of poverty? Relational breakdown. Full stop, close the book, let's walk out and do something about it. Marriages, marriages. And I wish I could say it was different among Christians. I want to tell you, ladies, your husband is a complete jerk. Don't laugh too loud. He does really annoying things. He is so infuriating and, into, and just annoying. Irritating, infuriating. He's, he does the most illogical, nonsensical stupidity. He's a complete jerk. But so are you. Why? Why do we expect our spouse to be perfect if we are not? Why? Why do we pretend and go and talk to our girlfriends about how much of a jerk our husband is when you and I know really well that you and I are just as much a jerk as he is? Can we be real? And as Christians, we have the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? It means I actually honor you. I put my pride aside (laughs) and take it from someone who wishes my jerk was still around. I would do anything to have his quirks around again. And my greatest regret are the times I picked on those stupid things he did all the time. He was a complete jerk. But so am I. I'm probably a hundred times worse than he ever was. I talk to girls all the time in the church world. I just want to punch them in the face. Can we just realize that none of us are perfect and God puts us together and that companionship is actually the greatest blessing? He doesn't have to be perfect. 
She doesn't have to be perfect. You can look across the table from each other and laugh at what a jerk he is and go, let's just do this together and let's just enjoy the ride because I'm not perfect either. You're not perfect, but by the grace of God, he's given me you as your companionship. I'm now alone. In the church, we need to realize because we're selfless, right? Because we follow the example of Christ, that we're not pointing out, like Paul said, we're not looking at the external. We realize now everyone's in the same boat. And so we have the ministry of reconciliation. Let me tell you what marriage is by biblical definition. Marriage is between a man and a woman to the exclusion of others. Do you know what the Bureau of Statistics didn't report is the reality of how much domestic violence happens in same-sex relationships. How much breakdown there is in those relationships. Marriage and relationship, according to the Bible, is between a man and a woman to the exclusion of all others, which rules out pornography and adultery. Marriage, by definition, is between a husband and a woman who have abstained from sexual intimacy until the day of marriage. And following that day, they live in 100% service and selflessness before each other. Mutual submission and deferred preference. Purity. Husbands are the head of the home it's not popular. My greatest grief is seeing what f the feminist movement has done to men. Husbands are the head of the home, but that man lays down his life every day. He's not the head of the home through domination. He lays down his life, the greatest form of leadership is to be big enough to sacrifice yourself completely. That's a leader. That's a leader. Not narcissism, not self-centeredness. Self That's not leadership. Jesus said a husband must love his, no, Paul said a husband must love his wife the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. A wife lives in honoring submission she leads her atmosphere and nurtures her family. She discerns and counsels her husband and her children. Proverbs 31 says that she walks in the law of kindness. She's diligent. Proverbs 31 says that her husband is well respected in the city gates. That her children rise up. That's who she is. By biblical definition, God is at the head, husband and wife side by side, moving towards God. And so we need to do marriage well. Do you know how to do marriage well? Get good at dying and die every day to self, to pride, to preference. Defer preference to your spouse. We need to do it well and we need to speak into it. 
which is why we do marriage courses. I promise you, I promise you from the bottom of my heart, there is nothing on the church calendar that doesn't have a heart of reformation behind it. You have my word. I will not fill up your diary with pointless things. But if something is announced, it's because it has the spirit of God to transform culture. And you know what? We need to be adults and big enough to get along to those things, to invest into ourselves and others, to invite people in your workplaces, getting them along as ministry opportunities, evangelism opportunities so that we can train, develop and equip marriages, families. Family by biblical definition, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. At some point, we have to cut the umbilical cord. We start a new family. We can't keep running back home. There should not be an in-law between you and your spouse. Mums and dads who have sons-in-laws and daughters-in-law, you must step away and move back. You cannot be in between your child and their spouse because they have to establish a new line because it's them and God, not them and God and the in-law. That'll never work. It will not work. And so godly families, the biblical model is God, spouse, children in that order. And women find this really hard. Not only do women put children above their spouse, they even put them above God. Ladies, you have to intentionally do this. No, I, I used to say it to my kids all the time. Yeah, I love you, but dad's my favorite person. And they would pretend to be offended, but they loved it. Why? Because it creates stability, security, identity. They're not gonna hate you for loving their father more. And that should be the way it goes. It should be the way that it goes ultimate unity between a husband and a wife, agreement. Your children should know that if dad says no, mum's not going to give them another answer. Agreement. Children need to honour their parents. Honour your father and mother, one of the Ten Commandments, Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you in the land I am giving you. It's the first commandment that has a blessing attached to it. Honor your father and mother so that your life will turn out all right. I've had to live this. I've had to correct relationships in order to live in blessing. And so I want to ask you, doesn't matter how old you are, you may be 40 years old, but how's your relationship with your mum and dad? Doesn't matter how old we are, honour your father and mother, and especially younger people, children, teenagers, and young adults. Because if we can do that, it impacts the way we honour authority in every aspect. Oh man, teachers are just amazing. I don't know how they do their job right now. 
because there is this degeneration of submission and honor in our generation. I've seen the YouTube clips and, the, and all the clips of like kids in nappies shin-kicking police officers. Someone taught them that, that sense of dishonor for authority. And it starts in the home. Mum and dad, don't be afraid of the authority you carry. You're doing them a favor. By teaching them authority, the first person they're going to learn to um, submit to and honor is you. And you're not doing it because you need it and you need to be puffed up. You're doing them a favor. Because if you can teach them how to honor you as authority, they'll be on, able to honor their teachers. They'll be able to honor their bosses. They'll be able to honor the police officer. They'll be able to honor God. If you don't teach them to honor you, they will not even be able to honor God. It's that big. The jump is that real. The same Bureau of Statistics told us recently that 46% of crime happened by people under the age of 30. Why? Because of family. Family. Domestic violence continues to rise, and in Queensland just this year, it rose by 13% in one year. So how do we break it? How do we break the back of poverty? Well, we focus on families. We start with our own family, and then we equip other families. Families have to be grounded in the Word of God. So I'm asking you, team, How's your foundation in the Word? And are you doing what Moses said in Deuteronomy 11 and seizing every single opportunity every single day to impart Scripture into your children? He said, when you rise in the morning, impart Scripture. When you walk by the way, when you drive to school, impart Scripture. When you sit at the table, impart Scripture. When you lie down in bed, impart Scripture. Four times a day. Every single day, you seize the opportunity to impart Scripture into your children. It's the only way they're going to be solid in the world. There is no other way. There is no other way. And so we model it well, and then we teach on it. We put on marriage seminars. We put on fatherhood pop-up groups. We, we do what we can to reform culture and equip people. And finally, our relationships in our community, our workplaces, our friends, our social environments. I want to ask you a question, rhetorical question, but I want you to think about it. When does discipleship start? Think about your work colleague. When does discipleship start for them? Is it the day they come to church with you? Is it the day they make a decision? No. Discipleship start, it started ages ago when the Holy Spirit started working on their lives. And by His goodness, He has arranged for you to be in their life. You are a part of the discipleship journey that the Holy Spirit is taking them on. And so I wanna say to you this, which I heard just recently. Do you know what discipleship is? 
being a good friend. Being a good friend. We often share with our friends where the sale's on, where the good restaurant is, what the best coffee shop is, because that's what a good friend does. What about the answer to life? (laughs) What about the source of life? You have it. Be a good friend. Be a good friend. It doesn't mean you have to be thus saith the Lord all over them. It just means you meet them where they're at and go, God, if you're using me in their discipleship journey, I'll be that person. You'll be amazed at where the conversations go. You'll be amazed at how open people are because we are all broken. And Jesus is the answer to every single brokenness. Be a good friend. Be a good friend to every friend. Be a good friend. And you know, discipleship or Christianity or following Jesus doesn't start here (laughs) in this building. Sometimes it does. But more often than not, it starts in a relationship out there, at work, at school, on the street. And then it becomes community where you're getting together and, and you're meeting regularly and it leads to worship. It leads you here. This is the fruit of discipleship. More often than not, this is the fruit of discipleship. Church, we should be so grieved every time an invitation is made at the end of the service and no hands go up. That really means we haven't done our bit. It means they're not in the room. How does social reformation, cultural reformation, how does breaking the back of spiritual poverty happen through the discipleship of relationship? And so we disciple by the law. Are you ready? It's an acronym. All right, don't worry. We disciple by love. We're committed to people. We care about people. We encourage people. We're generous. I want to introduce a new term that we have inefficient love, wasteful love, unmeasured love. It's totally inefficient. The balance sheet doesn't like this type of love. It is wasteful. Inefficient love. Can you have inefficient love for everyone around you? That's discipleship by the law, L, A, atmosphere. We understand the atmosphere we carry. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. You carry an atmosphere. Own it. I say to my kids several times a week, you change the atmosphere. You change the atmosphere. And it only takes one person. It's all it takes. Change the atmosphere. One of my children, you know, um, in the school, there are beautiful, beautiful students there who uh, are gender fluid. And, um, And so we were talking about it 
And I just said, well, you know you carry an atmosphere. Just love them and take authority of the atmosphere because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And over and over again, the stories that come home are remarkable. There was this one student that joined the, the school who was transitioning from a female to a male and was being referred to by a male name now. And my child went and introduced herself to this person and she was the only person in the whole grade that this student introduced herself as a female in the female name. Carry an atmosphere. There's another student who identifies as being homosexual and sits with my daughter in every class they have together because she's safe and says to her, you don't agree with me, do you? And she goes, no, but I love you. And this boy sits with her in every class they have together because she's safe. Atmosphere. We're not judging people, we're loving people. We're loving people, let God do the business. We disciple through love and atmosphere. And W, wonder. The miracle working wonder of God. All we have to do is love them, create atmospheres, and God will do the rest. God does the rest. Give the Holy Spirit his job back. You're not their savior. You're not the gospel. All you have to do is love and create atmosphere and the wondrous, miraculous power of God does everything that's needed. We often will just get in the way, but the wonder of God. Speak to that difficult person about the wonder of God. How do you know God's real? Because of the wonder. I've seen miracles. We can argue dogmas and doctrine, but you can't argue with the wonder of God. What I've experienced, what I've seen, you can't argue with that. Come, let me show you, let me pray with you. And you'll be amazed that God actually, actually will defend his own character. He's very good at doing that. The wonder of God. And so we have the ministry of reconciliation for people to absolute truth and absolute value that we have the ministry of reconciliation, that it's win-win. It's not me against you, it's win-win for everybody. That's the ministry of reconciliation. You know, that conflicted relationship we you have, maybe this evening, actually, why don't we all stand to our feet? Maybe this evening you need a revelation of the win-win solution in that conflicted relationship. at home, in the workplace, on the street. Win-win. How do we break the back of poverty? By dealing with relationships. Flourishing. God is, has created us to live in community. And when that community is flourishing, every other aspect of life flourishes. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes with me tonight. I wanna ask 
a group of people here tonight, you know that you're not walking in close relationship with God, with Jesus. Maybe you don't know anything about Him. Maybe you know about Him, but you don't know Him personally. I want to ask you, I want to ask you to make a decision right now. This moment of decision is for you. You are standing in what the Bible calls the valley of decision. And today I'm asking you if you'll make that decision. Will you take the offer of redemption today? What does that mean? Everything that's been lost on you gets restored. Jesus reconciles you and He does it because of His great sacrifice and love in your place. He makes things right. If that's you tonight and you want to accept Jesus and make Him the Lord and Saviour of your life, I'd love for you just to raise your hand tonight and say, that's me. That's me. Count me in on that. Count me in on that as I come into relationship with Jesus, as I look across the room. Is there anyone like that tonight? Amen. Well, we're all believers in the room. We're going to sing. What song is it that we're going to sing? Roof to floor. Interrupt us, Lord. Break our plans. We're ready. We're waiting. Holy Spirit, you're desired in this place. And I want to put a call out. We're going to sing this for a moment. And I'd love to put a call out to anyone in your saying, Lord, send me. Send me. And I'd love for you to come to the front. You know your sphere of influence needs Jesus. And you know you need to up your game. And so coming here, you're saying, I'm going to up my game. And our team will pray with you and stand in agreement with you. Because tonight you're saying, interrupt me, Lord. I've been doing it a certain way and I'm ready to be interrupted. Let's worship together.